You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 25. Episode twenty five coming uh coming in hot for this one, uh. So how you been running, man? Man, I had a pretty interesting session for you. Um, so I guess I'll just get right into it. Um, so I was playing at eighty eight um last week, right? And you and I had talked about how um we not maybe not developed a strategy, but have studied enough and feel like we're capable enough to just grind out a profitable session if we need to correct well like a profitable session if we need to i mean like i definitely don't feel like i can go to any one session and be like i'm gonna definitely be profitable this day that's how it came off i don't think that's what you meant though no i guess what i meant was um to play tight just play tight and um just play correct try not to make any fancy moves and still be profitable oh yeah i feel like if you play tight and i mean uh, like at the average one two one three table, if you play tight and just ABC correct poker, I a hundred percent think you can be profitable very easily. Right. So we had talked about that, and I was thinking I was gonna go to this session and just do that ABC poker, play tight, don't do anything too crazy out of line, trying to get any bluffs through. Because some of those bluffs, like they work and they're profitable at times, but sometimes it seems like it's unnecessary. Like some of the moves are forced. I can see that. I mean, that was why you had a hard time selling to selling me on them at first. And I've gotten where I do like them here and there. But, I mean, I will say this. I was profitable for a long time in poker, all having almost no bluffs in my range. And here's the other thing, too. So when I went and sat down at the table, correct, um, there's some tables where, like, you can be the person who's making moves and stuff. But if there's a maniac at the table... You really just have to play tight. Really is. And this used to really throw me because I would try to adjust my ranges a little bit too much to match his, you know, his ranges. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you play tight. I mean, if he's playing all the hands, and it can get frustrating because you see him, you know, showing down crap, playing bad hands, and it makes you want to play more because, you know, you want to get this guy, and I mean, you know, you you just got this profit puppy at your table, and you're just sitting there watching it. But you kind of have to, you really kind of have to wait your your turn to actually really cash in on this. Right. So okay. So let me paint the picture for you. So we had that conversation about playing ABC poker, and I was like, I feel like if you just you know you play ABC poker, you can just grind out a profit just playing tight and correct unless you you know obviously the bad beats or whatever coolers so i come and sit down and there's a guy there who buys in for like two thousand five hundred three thousand dollars right and just off his rocker playing right wow and um i mean just hand after hand and um i've had a few hands i um i hit a nice straight and got paid a little bit and then i ended up paying off um someone else's hand and basically, I was up, like, maybe $250 on the night, right? Not bad. 
And this guy um, had just gone completely crazy all night long. Um, he had rebought in um, probably another fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, right? So he's probably in the game for five thousand. Good lord, y'all are playing. Is this one three or five five? One three. Good lord. But I haven't really gotten involved in any hand with this guy, right? And I was just like, hmm, this is kind of a bummer for me. But my whole goal was just to play ABC poker tight, get a profit, just to kind of mentally be like, all right, you know, this is because we had talked about it, but I hadn't done it in a while. Right. And then this hand happens, right? So I've been playing for the last three and a half hours. I'm on the button straddle. And I, I announced to the table, I said, yeah, this is probably my, this is my last hand, guys. Like, I had a late night um, late night getting there. So I was like, all right, this, this is my last hand, guys. I get pocket eights in the button straddle, right? Okay. I was like, well, this is great. You know, flop a set, get paid, hopefully. Very nice. <laughs> That's the game plan. So um, it's a good plan. Um, so I see that, and then it, um, the action goes like call, call. And a short stack goes all in for 50. Then it goes, call, call, crazy guy calls. So I was like, well, this is perfect. You know, I have over $500. I'm about 800, 850 effect, or in my stack. Okay. So I call. But then it goes like, call, call. So I was like, wow. Yeah, it was about, I think it was five ways to the flop. So 250 into this. Yes. I mean, this is really great, though, because you're getting, you've almost got odds to flop a set with almost no implied odds almost. So, I mean, this is looking really good if you do hit. I mean, I told the guy who went on for 50, I said, this is your dream spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> no kidding. Um, The flop comes down 7, 8, 10. Um, rainbow. Right? Okay. And... Sorry, it was not rainbow. It, there was a flush draw. There was a flush draw. Um, so somebody leads out for 50, which is a very small bet in this pot. Right. Then it goes, someone else calls the 50, gets to me. I Obviously, I'm raising here, correct? 100%. I mean, you. I would say here I'm concerned about Jack-9 and this huge multi-way pot, but... You can't look for monsters under the bed, and this is a super draw-heavy board. You have 9-10 that's got a ton of outs, 8-9 uh, that has a ton of outs, uh, any two hearts. I mean, Ace-10 is probably going to think that they're probably good up against most draws. Yeah, I think this is a easy, easy raise. Well, and I wasn't a... For 50 preflop, you were worried about Jack-9? I think if with it going five ways to the flop and nobody re-raising, I, I'm worried about probably everything at that point. I mean, this is, I mean, a hundred percent. I'm not worried about it in Vegas, but I mean, at fifty-two, so at, you know, or Johnny Chan's eighty-eight, or the places around here, do I think that's a possibility of a range? Uh, Jack nine suited. It shouldn't be. Well, I don't know. Like in the moment, I felt like I had the nuts. I know I didn't, obviously, but I felt how the hand was played, I had the nuts. Um, so I said, I'm going to raise. And the guy next to me says, well, if you're going to raise, I'm going to re-raise. I said, hmm, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, my whole thought was, I mean, someone flopped a straight to my set. I mean, I, it's just that's just not going to be my night, I and guess. Don't get me wrong. I, that's how you should play this, 100%. I mean, I, you should definitely be raising and playing this like you do have the nuts. And if... I mean, if somebody's got Jack-9 here, then they're just going to get paid. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, um, 
kind of jumping off topic just for a second, but I remember I also made a pretty tight fold at Harrah's um, in New Orleans whenever it was that same type of flop, but it was somebody had uh, a pair plus the open-ended straight, and I had two pair made the fold. So Ooh, I didn't want that to yeah. happen. Yeah, because I was thinking, well, someone could play it like that as well. Oh, yeah, a ton of draws. I mean, you're just... With this it being this draw heavy, I mean, you're kind of just sucked in here. Because, I mean, you, I mean, you could be folding to a flush draw. You could be cold. I mean, I mean, or if all these people have, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who say, well, you just call and, you know, because a flush draw might not go anyways. But, I mean, you're losing a ton of value if you play stuff that way. And I would be fine with making it 300 and folding and getting the two, uh, 350 in the middle because those 250s, right? Yeah, and and here's the other thing is, you're not. I mean, you not only do you have very close to the nuts, because I mean you're only because even though I'm scared of Jack Nine, I'm definitely not scared of what would be Six Nine. Six Nine, yeah. So I'm not really scared of that. Uh, tens usually wouldn't be in here without a re-raise usually. So you basically not only do you have the nuts, but you also are drawing live. To, oh, if somebody happened to have Jack Nine, you're drawing super live. Okay, well here's where the hand kind of gets crazy, right? Okay. So the guy behind me, he says he's gonna raise, so I make it 300, and then he doesn't raise. I told him, "What happened? I made it 300 to make it affordable for you to raise." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I told. I mean, I, I mean, and then he said, "No, no, I'll raise next street." I mean, that's a sign of just a super strong hand. <laughs> the next guy, though, who's closing the action, uh huh, he says, it's your last hand. I say, yeah, it's my last hand. Because him and I have been battling back and forth, and I was actually up a little bit more than him, but he was the guy that paid off. Oh, yeah, should have folded. But um, he goes, well, all right, well, if it's your last hand, I'm all in. So he rips it all in for, like, uh, I think me and him were about even, so about 850, 800, something like that. And here's where it gets even crazier. So he's all in. The next guy folds. The next guy calls. I call. And the guy behind me calls too. So there's four people. All, so there's four people. Four and every, everybody's all in. Everybody's all in. And I cover everybody but one guy. And the one guy I cover, I tell him, I have a set. He says, I have Jack nine. Which guy said that? The guy who said he was going to raise the next street. He can never have Jack nine here, I don't think. Right? He said he did. He didn't show me. But that's the one guy who covered me, right? I mean, because if you have Jack nine, there's no way you're not getting it all in when you have the absolute nuts on a super wet board. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Well, that well was... I mean, he, did he ever show? He never showed. He never, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then not to mention, like, people who get bad beat, uh, who, if he, well, actually, go on with the story. Okay. So then, um, so I was sitting there just, I mean, I was like, man, I've been just playing so tight, because people had even commented on how tight I was playing. Mm-hmm. So tight. And I'm going to lose all my money in the last hand. <laughs> yeah. Been there before. And I was like, well, all right. I mean, fine. I mean, it is what it is. So I, so they, 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 uh, I throw the turn down. It's a jack. I was like, whatever. So I start getting up. I was like, I mean, whatever. I'm out. So I start walking away. 
the river pairs the board and it's a seven. Oh God! So then I end up, um, just everyone on the table leaves. Just break the game. What a wonderful last hand, man. I mean, or especially like I want to see everybody's cards. I want to know if that's what made you good or not, though. I mean, be... someone turned over king queen, so. Turned over King Queen of, was it a flush draw? Nope, I, that had to have been the guy with the fifty dollars. All right, uh, maybe Probably. so. Yeah, that's that's got to be him because uh, I I just can't. But I can't imagine what anybody would have here. Like, well, the one guy who called the all in or went all in pre flop, he, I thought, I mean, I've seen him before. I'm pretty sure he's a pretty profitable player, but I know no profitable players is going all in the last hand just to do it. Well, the way you had told me, I thought he was kind of, not angling, but using kind of like some table psychology to act like he's weaker than he was. I mean, um... Because, I mean, the way you said, like, hey, you did it and everything, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, yeah, I mean, kind of like when people are like, I got, uh, eight, they got aces, well, it's time for me to go home right about now. It's, uh, you know, that's how it kind of sounded to me when you said it. Like, he's like, well, since it's, you, since it's your last hand, I'm all in. But kind of acting like he's weaker than he is. But, I don't know, I mean. Well, someone asked him what he had. Um, before the flop, and he wouldn't even show. He said, I need a miracle here. I was just all in. Okay, then I read this completely wrong, and apparently he just... who, I mean, if that other guy had Jack-9 and he believed him, maybe he had, like, a 9 for, like, open-ended or something. Yeah, that would make sense. Or, like, the 9 in a pair. Yeah, maybe something like that. So... So, okay, so I end up scooping, and the pot ends up being, because, I mean, I cash right out afterward because the game broke. It was a $2,342 pot. God damn. Yeah, it was gigantic. That's a, that is one hell of a way to end the end the session right there on your last hand. That's a, so, I mean, but, uh, like, back to, I didn't want to, like, I was into that Jack-9, the guy with Jack-9, but I didn't want to spoil the story. But if he has Jack-9 there, I think he shows it every single time at the end. People love the show when they get bad beat. And he can never have Jack-9 not re-raise on that, on there. I just, I don't know. I feel like that is, I feel like he was angling. I'm not angling, but I definitely don't feel like he honestly had Jack-9. I mean, what's it called? It's not, it's not much of an angle because if, if at the end I just... He ends up turning over not Jack-9, and I win. I'm not that upset. Oh, yeah. Angling's <laughs> a bad, is definitely a bad word there. I, I definitely don't mean that, but I definitely do not think that he he has that. I, there's just too many factors. Like, he would have shown, uh, he would have re-raised. It's just, like, even a bad player would not play Jack-9 this way. Possibly. Yeah, that's why I thought he didn't have Jack-9 as well. So... Didn't you have a hand on the last hand where things went crazy for you too the same night? Uh, Didn't you have that? Was it a PLO hand? Because I remember we ended up talking about it and you were about to leave. Oh. Because I was like, no one's even going to believe this. I mean, what the whole fact that, I mean, I almost never announced I'm doing the last hand and then I happened to win a gigantic pot. And then when I called you about it, you were like, well, the same thing happened to me. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> I mean, crazy. Uh so, 
I was, I've just, I had been on a kind of a pretty, like, ma- not a massive downswing, but it's definitely a downswing uh, on this one. And I was just, so we're playing like three or four hours. And I am just car dead as hell. I have, I bought, I'm not down that much. I bought in for like 400. I have like, but I'm, I only have like 170, 160 in front of me. Right. And I'm just tired of four, four or five hours of getting no hands. When I do get a hand, it's missing a flop. Uh, it's just, it's just a kind of exhaust. It, like poker can be very exhausting when you're super card dead. Yeah. So I got to rack up. Someone's like, are you racking up now? I'm like, I'm like, dude, I would rather do anything, play net. I'll go watch Netflix or anything to sit here and fold for another three hours. I'm just, I, I can't handle it anymore. Uh, so I'm racking up, and I do one, what, win, like, one small hand, and I'm, like, about to go. But there's a reverse button where you do a one hand of Omaha on every, uh, every round. So we're going... Yeah, that's thunder right there. God huh? almighty. We might not live to get this podcast out, man. <laughs> that, is, that, is some, that is some thunder. Uh, but I'm like, okay, I'll wait for it. I'm like, one is like when you're down and you're just card dead. I mean, as much as I'm not a huge, huge fan of Omaha, it's one way where you can definitely get unstuck. Yeah. Uh, so we go do So I wait two to three hands for this uh, Omaha hand. Come in and I have... King, King, something. And I, like, do a small raise. I think it was, like, a one-suited king. And I was like, well, I'm just going to build the pot so I can make sure to get it all in. Uh, I end up flopping a set of kings, which is the absolute nuts, uh, but on a wet board. I end up betting... I think I bet, and then another guy jammed on me, and I called, and just had the nut set of kings, and he he was very live. I mean, he's he was he had a combo draw, where I mean, he was very live, but the set of kings actually held up, and I ended up like scooping in like a four hundred dollar pot, four hundred fifty five hundred dollar pot, and from then on, like and did good, and then kind of whittled whittled down a little bit, but ended up having like a profitable session when I really needed one, and I was literally out the door. Uh, dropping a, showing another losing session on my uh, on my bankroll tracker. So I really was just, you always give me these stories like in the last hand and like I was I, I was almost out. You have these amazing comeback stories, which just just has not happened for me in years much. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> our, our our thoughts on poker are very similar. For me, they got none of this crap. So I was finally, I was like, oh, hell yes. I finally got a story where I was almost out, and I uh, came back. Okay. So I have, so I ended up cashing out of that session, the one I told you guys about, uh, pretty profitable. Um, it was like 1800 right? So then I go and play this next session, right? And... I mean, there's basically maybe like two or three hands that are of interest. Um, but the one that's super noteworthy is I get pocket aces. It's always right? nice. And I'm um, like under the gun plus one, right? Okay. So I open it up to 20. Um, I instantly get three bet to 60 by the tightest player at the table. Everyone folds because... You know, it's the tightest player at the table. Back to me. 
And I was sitting there thinking, like, if I put in the four bet, it's so obviously aces, right? Well, me and you go uh, go just around this a lot, and I don't. I like calling three bets with aces on one on my like normal stack size, because it, to me, if you're gonna four bet, you better have four bet bluffs in there. Or I mean, like you say, if you're just I mean, because otherwise, like you said, it's aces and kings every time. Right or ace king, because I'll four bet ace king, right? That's true. I guess if you're at least doing that, at least it is somewhat uh, not as polarized as aces and kings. But, okay, so I only call his three bet because I didn't want to let him um, end up folding, right? Okay, I mean, I, I definitely don't mind this. This is I've never done it this way. This is I've always put in the four bet with aces, right? Okay. And I was like, you know what, I think this is a time where you know, putting in uh, the call would be maybe a little bit better. So we go heads up to a flop of nine, six, four, two clubs and a spade, right? I check, he bets 150. I don't have the ace of clubs, right? Which I'm not sure in a three bet pot by the big tightest player, it really matters. Unless he just happens to have ace king of clubs, which is unlikely, but. But that was why I ended up putting in the raise as well. And I was thinking my hand was pretty under-repped here. Um, so I ended up putting in the raise because we're both very deep. I ended up putting in the raise to 500 thinking he has a hand he's never folding. Right. Um, what do you think of that? Because, I mean, on a 9-6-4, two clubs and a spade flop, are you ever folding jacks, queens, kings there? I mean, so here's the problem is once once you re-raise, what's he putting, what can he put you on? I guess kings and queens I would not fold. I mean, but we always talk about these flop re-raises being super strong. Right. And a flop that's kind of... I mean, really, you said 9-6-4? Yes. This flop is super dry, even even with, like, a flush draw out there. I guess, I mean, you could do this with 7-8. Like, 7-8 of clubs definitely makes a lot of sense here. Uh, I don't mind it. Like, I think a... I think a raise is per is perfectly fine here because I mean you you've underrepped aces, so it makes it hard to fold kings and queens, and jacks. Uh, I also wouldn't mind a call because this is a pretty big pot size bet, and then now you build the turn now you build it into six hundred dollars, which makes it very hard to get away from. I don't mind either. I don't I don't mind either route here. So he ends up. Folding kings face up. Folding kings face up. He says you either flopped a set or you have aces because you didn't put the four bet in. I can understand, like, the flopped set. 
I mean, but when you never play aces this way, like, I mean, it's one thing, like, if somebody just has a read on me and I do it, but, I mean, you literally don't do this. It's literally the first time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to act like you have a read there on that is pretty insane. I don't, like, the aces is just, uh, folding it to aces is, I think, almost insane. Uh, the set, I kind of understand, I mean, because, okay, you can have a lot of draw. I mean, you could have, like, seven, eight of clubs. You could have, like, clubs or something like that. But, I mean, we talked about it, and, like, I was playing that way, and not that many other people seem to play that way. In Vegas, I, I think, I, in, in Vegas, the 2-5 people do. But that is a monster fold. Kings, because, I mean, you would, you might still do this with jacks, queens, or tens. Uh, I definitely would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like, especially you, has this guy played with you before? No. I was like, I mean, because if he'd seen some of the bluffs you throw down, he is not <laughs> folding kings here. <laughs> I mean, your rage is, I mean, like, maybe me, if I do this, maybe he should fold. I mean, you've got so much crappy that you could have here. I mean, you do this with, a lot of times, tens, jacks. I don't know, but would you do this with tens or jacks? Definitely. A Especially super, a super with... tight player, three bets, and you think tens are worth re-raising? Because, I mean, here's the thing. is If he has ace-king, you're getting no value. Uh, Well, I don't know. I guess you can get him to fold kings. <laughs> I guess yeah. you should be doing it. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. That's a... That is such a... I mean, I guess a... Well, I mean, we we talked about it before. I mean, I'm not sure if that's a really good fold by him, or or just he happened to make it this time, and that's just super exploitable in the long run. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about tilted, right? I was, whew, I was pretty tilted after that because I felt like I had just misplayed it. I should just put the four bet in. I mean, I don't know. What about okay? What about not doing the four bet, but just calling there on the. Uh... Should have done that too. Literally anything other than, I guess I could have folded, which would have been worse than what I did. But, but I don't know if someone just makes monster great hero fold against you. I mean, uh, that's kind of results oriented. I mean that. I mean, okay, if he's gonna fold there, any chance he just folds the four bet free flop? I mean, probably. Yeah, good point. (laughs) I mean, seems like. I mean, if he's putting you exactly on aces or set there, I mean, it seems like the four bet, he might just put you exactly on aces, and then, I mean, he can't, because he can't put you on ace-king, I mean, he's got two of the kings. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going that in-depth with it, but. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm going to lay out the combinations for you, sonny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, okay, so I was a little annoyed with that hand. But th- I have a pretty interesting hand for you here. Um, so there's a guy who was um, not hostile isn't the right word, but kind of needling people and kind of um, not trash talking, but I don't know. He was just <sighs> him and this other guy were kind of going back and forth at it. It's kind of. It's not they they were bad. It was definitely like battling, but he was kind of on the borderline of kind of bad sportsmanships or sore winner, right? Okay. 
It's kind of the best, the only way I could. I mean, it was nothing out of line, but it was just, it was kind of a sore winner and a super sore loser, right? I always find this weird. Like, I mean, it's one thing if you know the person. Like, if I know you and we're just needle and I was needling you or whatever, uh, or something like that. It's kind of. Like, I always find that weird to do to strangers. I mean, I don't know. I find that kind of strange. Well, I mean, especially like you know, verbally, right? Yeah. I mean. But we've seen it before, so obviously <laughs> yeah. not everybody finds it strange. <laughs> so here's a pretty interesting hand for you. I have five, six of clubs, and I make it um, fifteen dollars. And I get three bet to 45. And um, what's it called? Two callers. So I have 180 in the pot. I ended up with. Okay. Um, the flop comes king, three, three, two hearts, and a diamond. I uh, Okay. My immediate thought is how we're actually talking about this head, but okay, go on. <laughs> so, um, it checks around. And I immediately am like, that's strange, right? Okay. That it checks through like this. And I was like, well, if you ever, well, okay. If you ever have a king here on the two hearts and a diamond, you're never checking that through, right? A hundred percent. If I have a king with two heart, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely at least betting, betting one to get for value here, and to see where. I mean, and, and I kind of want information too, because I mean, you want you know to start funneling some people's ranges down a little bit. And if someone has a three, they might not bet, but it would, could definitely be justified. Well, yeah, and that's the problem is like. Yeah, the three could slow play here, so you're getting literally no information. I mean, I definitely want to bet. I definitely want to bet the king here, and you know, charge extra draws. Uh, charge. Yeah, e this is one where like I will check some like weak kings sometimes, but probably not on this board with this many players. So the turn brings the queen of hearts. So I'm like, well. I could steal this. This is possible. So it did complete the flush draw. Yes. Okay. So I bet a hundred. Everyone folds with that one player. It's heads up. He calls the hundred. Okay. The river is a nine of clubs. I'm first to act. I have five, six of clubs. So I have six high. So I'm sitting thinking, what would be the perfect size to get him to fold? So I bet. 300 and he ends up laying it down did he show what he laid down he didn't but you know i showed the bluff oh yeah he'd <laughs> <laughs> be like tell us whatever he laid down better than what i had <laughs> yeah that was i was like who this guy is gonna be pretty mad he was um <laughs> but yeah that yeah. was a pretty good i definitely kind of like that that was I feel like a good target on a queen. Like somebody, it seems like you might have hit the queen, but I mean, if it completes the flush draw, and I, you really would have checked a king in flow anyway, so you could actually have a king or a flush here. So yeah, I mean, I definitely like your line here. That was a that was a pretty creative line. Man, I just hope he folded a three. <laughs> oh, oh God, that would have been. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm pretty, I definitely like 
that hand. Like I say, uh, it's kind of a hard bluff card on the queen because now like all the ace of hearts are staying. All probably a lot of jack of hearts. The queen. A lot of people would have hit a queen there. I will say this. I think I only like it if you are going to barrel that river, like any non heart uh, river too. I'm sure I could justify barreling a heart river too. So. <laughs> Got a madman in front of me. <laughs> Either way, I'm betting that river after I make the play on the turn like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... Uh... Unless the king paired. I wouldn't barrel the king, I don't think. Really? Yeah, I'm probably barreling everything. I don't know, man. It depends on the moment. I want him to fold, so I was probably barreling everything. I would barrel... I think that... I like the king pairing as a, as a barrel more than I do a heart. Because, I mean, it would call you with a lot of hearts there to me. Oh, he called with 100% won. of the hearts. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, so, I mean, like, definitely like the ace of hearts, jack of hearts, which would have made the flush, and then he's not staying. A king just makes it more, more unlikely that he has a king. True, true, but I kind of put him on calling me with a king or something like that, so... I don't know what he had, man. I don't know. He was playing all sorts it's, of hands. Seems like you were just going to bet no matter what. Pretty much. I mean, Tyler's like, I have to bet this on the turn because once it checks through, nobody can have a king. Then on the river. Well, I wouldn't. I would. I would be nervous about the king river because I put him on a king. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I, in the moment, I put him that he never is calling or never has a king there. Tyler's like, I have an automatic machine gun. It's just, it's just yeah, it's just fired bullets, man. <laughs> That's probably more accurate now. <laughs> of the hand. Whatever he has, he's going to feel like I have the nuts by the end of it because because this is just money shoving into that pot. That's probably the most accurate strategy of my poker game that you've, you've given right here. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about us not committing to the triple barrel or the barrel on the river, so. Yeah. Tyler's like, there is no barrel unless there's a triple barrel. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I had some guy in Vegas try to, uh, he ended up donking into me on one street. And I was like, what are you doing, man? He didn't even let me, didn't even let me bluff. You know, he's like, you were going to bluff? I said, 100% I was going to bluff. <laughs> I had no outs. I had five high. I'm betting with a 100% frequency. <laughs> and I'm calling zero. That's who you're getting poker advice from. <laughs> Oh, don't take I have, it. I have, I have zero outs. I'm dead. Watch me, watch me start bad. Yeah. So, and I'm going to make you fold. This is one of those, do not try this at all. Yeah, I mean, I told the guy, it doesn't work out all the time. I told him, sometimes it's catastrophic failure. I can see that. I can see where that might be. Yeah, when Ace High calls and is good. Not a great day for me. Oh, that's that'd be super hurtful. <laughs> Ace High definitely knows you has played with you before. Um. So okay. So then I had this interesting situation happen. So that session with the the guy fold the aces uh, or the kings face up to the aces. Um. I had some other hands that just nothing was working out for me. Right. I had doubled up early in that session too. And I mean, I had just lost all the money. I mean, not, I, I'm not negative, but I'm only have like $300 profit. Right. And okay. I was pretty annoyed the whole session. And then, um, I was like, well, okay. So then I ended up putting in a river bluff and it was a, it was a small river bluff. It was like pop, but pop was like $45. Right. 
Okay. And some guy is humming and hawing, and, and there's so it was three ways to the river. I put the I'm uh, I put the bet in. It checks to me. I'm on the button. I then put in a pot sized bet. The first guy is thinking about calling. He takes his cards off. He gets ready to muck them, and he's in there thinking. And he's like, how much? Mm, how much? Mm, I don't know. And then the guy behind him folds out a turn. And then he sees him fold out a turn. And then he hums and hums and he just shrugs and calls. Yeah, that's kind of, that's that's a pretty tough one. Because you, you're thinking he might have folded if he thinks he's got someone else to go up against. 100%. I mean, he was about to fold. Ugh, God, that's. Uh, this is that's annoying because I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I did the dealer say anything? Well, I said something to the dealer, and then the dealer said like, "Let's try to fold and turn." So, I mean, that... no, I mean, w- once it's done, I mean, we've already talked yeah. about. It. There's so many situations that I mean, the dealer doesn't have that much control over because once it's done, it's done. I don't know. To I mean, me, that's just so selfish. Um, if you're that player, that third player who knows they're never calling. And just because you're not in the hand, you just fold out a turn. Yeah. I mean, okay, but I guess the only thing I can say is try to look at it this way is, like, we we agree that most poker players are unprofitable. Sure, yeah. And a lot of that comes from not understanding the game. Say, how are they unprofitable? Literally just bet every street. No. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, okay, yeah, go for it. Uh. I mean, the same thing that makes us money. I mean, it, do you, I mean, there's a good chance that this person just doesn't. All they're thinking about is their hand. They don't really even understand the effect it has, right? Probably. So I mean, I mean that ignorance is what we're also using to make money too. So I mean, is it? I mean, is it, sel- is it stupid? Is it selfish? And you know better. But I bet like these people don't you know, like people like that. I don't know if they're being assholes or they literally are just ignorant to the point of they don't even understand how it affects the gang. They're just they're just wanting to muck and move on, so they don't even really how to understand how it affects the gang. Because if you're completely ignorant, then I mean you still know the way the rules go, but you do, but I mean it's it's not as bad as if you know exactly like what it's to doing. Yeah, well, I mean that just put me on just full tilt, and I just. I was like, this money's about to be just all in blind, so I'm leaving. So I just left. Took my two hundred something dollar profit and went home. Thank God you did. I'm much I'm much rather you see you I do not want to see you blow off six hundred dollars because of the forty five dollar pot. Oh no, it would have been more like eight. But I mean <laughs> Well no, could I buy him for five and I end up with like two eighty eight profits. So. Yeah. No, I I'm not laughing on that. I'm just laughing on the um, the amount that you would have blown off off this forty five dollar hand. Well, I mean it's not I mean it wasn't it was a accumulation of things. It was Oh, uh, that um, was kinda just like the tipping point. I mean, I felt like I was keeping it together, but probably not that well. And then I was like, I mean, this is about to just be lighting money on fire. Cause like you know, getting felted in like a cooler spot doesn't affect me as much, but you know, when I feel like I didn't play the aces versus kings hand as well as I could have, and then that hand happened or he folds out a turn, and then there were some other hands that I didn't play that well. That will put me on tilt more than anything, is if I, like, my mistakes 
Because, I mean, like, poker to me is kind of like a competition thing. And, I mean, if you lose, you lose. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, lo- not loving that either. But it's worse, like, when you when I know I misplayed a hand. Uh, it, it really affects me worse than, a, like, a suck out will. Yeah, so, I mean, that, I mean, but then I was like, you know, I just need to lock up profit and go home, so. Every, like, I've kind of... For the most part, I focus on the hours, but I mean, you said Jonathan Little said something like this. Uh, if you're not playing well, then you're not making your hourly anyways. Yeah, where he said so. if you're not playing, if you're not playing your like well or your best game, your hourly isn't your true hourly. You're playing below your hourly. Right. So I mean, that's kind of a good way to look at things. I mean, for the most part, I want to get my hours in, but if you're on tilt then it doesn't matter if you're going to get your hours in because you're not really even making your true hourly at that point anyways. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that was, I don't know, interesting hand, but I ended up locking up profit. So, I mean, I mean, you're taking that $288 every day of the week. If you knew you're getting it 100% of the time every time and it was a short session, it's great. I mean, okay, if you could guarantee that every single day, and you did it for thirty days. I mean, that would be nine thousand. That'd be almost nine thousand dollars in a month. I mean, yeah. you're definitely taking that, especially for like three hours of play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, like I say, I think it's easy, especially like especially with some of the stuff you've been doing on these like massive games and these massive pots. It's easy to overlook and be like, that's just a small winning session or whatever. But I mean, really, in the long run, it's massive. Absolutely, and also, I mean, take it from. I mean. If you feel bad that you only locked up $200 win, take it from someone who lost that day. You know? I mean, there's plenty of days where I wish I would have had a $200 win. I just walk around ranting and raving. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, I, it's not even tilt anymore. I was, like, referring to it as called permatilt, <laughs> where I feel like I'm on tilt 24-7. <laughs> I mean, my, that shit's going out of control, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll wrap up, uh, what's it called? We'll wrap up this episode this week. But next week we'll hear about what's leading to permatilt. <laughs> yeah, don't go on permatilt. That's bad. It's a bad train to go on. All right, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.